what is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today's guest I'm really excited about because he's a good friend of mine. Not only is he a good friend, but he's a very successful uh, business owner, nutrition coach, bodybuilder, and he is somebody who has came from such an insane journey from prison, drugs, alcohol to positivity, success, gratitude, appreciation, and just being a very good guy like not only is he in the nutrition space and he's very intelligent when it comes to transforming your body bodybuilding building a business building community and culture but he's just a generally a good dude and it's crazy because when I first met him and hung out with him in person um, we got to know each other I would never have guessed that he has been through the kind of stuff that he's been through. So listening to his story is not only going to motivate you and inspire you, but it's going to teach you so much about how you can accomplish literally anything that you want. No matter where you're at right now, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter what you've been through, no matter what capabilities you do not have, no matter what thoughts of not being enough that go through your mind occur, you can literally do anything you want, and this guy is a proof of that, and I'm super excited to have Brad from Key Nutrition come on the podcast and talk about that, um, and I'm also excited, and I'm going to mention this to him too when we get him on the podcast, is I'm excited because he was interviewed recently on the All In podcast with my good friend Jason Phillips, and I know that some people may not have clicked on that podcast or listened to that podcast just because they didn't recognize his name because he hasn't quote-unquote blown up yet, um, and I say that lightly because he's pretty well known as it is, but I know it's only the, the he's like at the verge of breaking through and, and really demolishing some, some status quote-unquote and, and just doing some big things in the industry because of his journey, because of what he does. Um, so I'm excited because I know for me, when I'm scrolling through people's podcasts, I absolutely will pick and choose. Like I'll admit it. I pick and choose the podcast I listen to based on who's being interviewed. Like what is the topic, who's being interviewed, so on and so forth. And I oftentimes skip podcasts because I don't know the name of the person. And sometimes I go back and listen to it and I'm like, fuck, I'm so glad I did because this person, just because I didn't know them, didn't mean that they weren't going to create value and impact in my life. And I think I notice in my own habits when I see a name pop up twice, like if I skip this person's podcast or this interview with so-and-so on one podcast, and then I see that name on another podcast, now I'm like, okay, now I got to listen. This guy's popping up multiple places. This chick is popping up multiple places. I'm going to listen, hear more about them, learn from them. There's got to be value there. And I think once you see this name more than once, you're going to gravitate towards that, and then you're going to want to go back and listen to all the podcasts that he's been on, go check out his podcast, so on and so forth, because you're going to learn so much. You're going to be blown away by his story, and I'm really excited to go through it and give you some value and teach you um, so many different things and, and just principles of what it takes to transform your life, transform your body, transform your business. Brad's going to share that with us today. Um, I'm going to stop ranting. I, I sound like a fanboy now, but he's a good friend of mine. He's actually a client of mine, and he's in the same mentorship group, mastermind, as I am. So we're, we're very close in many different ways, and I'm excited to have him on the podcast. So before we get into that, guys, just one quick reminder. You know and I know this podcast is about creating impact, and if you're here right now, you want impact in your life, you want change in your life, you want results in your life, and I know that you are a positive person who wants to share that message and wants to create those things in other people's lives as well. The best way for you to help me do that, and there's two ways to do it. Number one, the obvious, go to uh, iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and review, and you actually can't do this in your iTunes library if you're already subscribed, so if you're subscribed, Thank you. If you're not, subscribe. <laughs> but if you are subscribed, hit the search bar, search Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Go through that to leave us a five-star rating and review. We really do appreciate that. Um, we love reading those and we love hearing from you guys. The second way to do this is really simple. You take a screenshot of the podcast you're listening to right now and you're going to tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom and tag Brad at the underscore sober underscore bodybuilder. You're going to tag us both on Instagram on your story. Just post a screenshot. Tell us you love the show. Tell us what you loved about the show. And I want to talk to you in the DMs because that's how I connect with you guys, the listeners, and learn more about you personally. So thank you so much for sharing the podcast. Thank you so much for subscribing to the podcast. And thank you so much for being here today listening to this podcast. It is going to create massive impact in your life. And I'm super excited for you to listen to this episode. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to this episode with... The one and only Brad from Key Nutrition. All right, Brad, man. First and foremost, dude, I already recorded the intro and I hyped you up pretty, pretty well in the intro. So be ready to <laughs> wow the listeners. But man, I'm excited to have you here, dude. Not only because you're a great friend of mine, you're a client of mine, but 
you have an insane story. And like I was just telling you, I actually had no idea. And it's funny because I was listening to you say, you said something in there that like you have kind of hesitated from sharing your story because uh, you were worried what people would think. You would worry they wouldn't hire you. Maybe they wouldn't like you and stuff. And I heard your story and dude, I like you twice as much because, and I already <laughs> love you, but I like you because I'm like, man, this guy is fucking inspiring. He's motivating. I respect him more for what he's overcame. It's just like an insane journey. And I'm really excited to dive into it because I think the parallels between what you went through, even though that might be the most extreme, there's so many parallels to people just not feeling enough, being inadequate, not having success in their business, not having success with their body. Like there's so many reasons people can take things out of your story. So I really want to dive into that. And I'm super excited for everybody to listen. But before we do that, let's make sure they know who we're talking to. Um, this is Brad from Key Nutrition, but fill us in. Who are you in a nutshell, man? Give us your story of who you are today. And then we're going to dive into your past. Yeah, man. I appreciate that, dude. Uh, I'm grateful and honored to be on this podcast and uh, been listening to your podcast well before I was even a client. So, uh, you know, good shit happens in life when you just, you know, you do the right thing. And, and I fucking asked to be on your podcast. And, and <laughs> I, I say that because I think it's important. Uh, like, you, you asked me, how can I provide more value to you? And I check in. I said, dude, let me, get me on your podcast, man. And um, I think so many people don't ask in life, and that's why they don't end up. Uh, you know, having success, but you know, my name is Brad Jensen. I own Key Nutrition. We're located in uh, in Draper, Utah, and um, I've got seven coaches that work underneath me. We have a brick and mortar uh, nutrition coaching facility, so we we see about sixty five, seventy percent of our clients in person. The other either online or FaceTime appointments. But um, yeah, man, I've been doing this since two thousand six, roughly, and uh, opened Key Nutrition two years ago, and. Um, yeah, man, I love nutrition. I love fitness. I love, uh, I love it all, man. And that—that's who I am in a nutshell today. Is uh, an entrepreneur who who's learning on the fly, who who just loves life, man. Dude, I love it. And I think it's so important you started with that lesson because it was funny. I was running a workshop this weekend for some local trainers at a gym. And that was like one of the biggest things I said is like, all you guys will be more successful if you just ask, if you just reach out to people and just ask things because nine times out of 10 people in this industry are super fucking cool and they'll say yes, right? Like they will right. do things. Now, obviously, if I didn't know you, I probably would have been like, well, who are you? But the point is, is just ask things that are relative in your grasp and I think you'll go so much farther. So I'm glad you said that, man. And I'm glad Amen. you asked me because now I can have you on the show. Um, but I, I do have a quick question before we get into your story. You're one of the only people that has a brick and mortar nutrition facility, right? Most people think of brick and mortars as gyms in this industry, but you actually have a facility where you coach people on nutrition, which I think is interesting. And the fact that it's so successful and that big of a percentage see you in person means you're dominating your community in your, in your state, in your city. So can you kind of fill us in with like what goes down there, how you decided to go that route instead of online um, and, and how that all works just because I'm interested in it. Yeah, no, you know what? It, full transparency. So what's funny is it's kind of a thing here in Utah. And what I mean by that was like the first place I got a gig at in 2006 was this brick and mortar facility where back then we just wrote these uh, stringent meal plans and people would come in, but I didn't know any different. I had gotten a job at Valley Total Fitness as a personal trainer and um, I liked it and it was cool. Um, but I just realized that for me to have more impact, like there was more, I was handwriting meal plans and this guy approached me and long story short, I ended up with the job there. And um, so that's all I knew to be fully transparent was like this thing. And um, when I decided to start Key Nutrition, um, I knew that like this model worked, but I also knew, so at the place I was at, it was 100% like in person, and that was it. And it was basically like we, these weekly or your biweekly meetings with clients who would come in and it's really just the connection base, like where we'd sit down with them in person. We'd basically review their whole week. We'd go over the same Google doc. You send me essentially different wording, but how was your week? You know, where do you feel like you had some wins and we'd, you know, talk through it and then get, um, you know, get physical measurements each week, um, body fat and weight and in inches or, or every other week. So long story short, when I started Key Nutrition, the thought crossed my mind, maybe I should just go strictly online. But I wasn't in 
you know, the mentorship that we're currently both in right now, I didn't really know how to navigate that. I knew how to do the brick and mortar. So when I started it, um, you know, that was my full intentions was, was doing that. I knew that model worked, but I knew there had to be more for scale. So while we're 65% in person, I mean, the old place I was at was a hundred. So, um, that's how that kind of came to be was really, I didn't know any different. Yeah. I think it's cool too. Cause it's almost like working in reverse because I'm in the place right now where I'm scoping out retail spaces so I can open up a space. Um, not necessarily for in-person client work, but I absolutely will if, if we have that opportunity, but to do stuff like you're doing, I see your sign, your, your soundproof equipment in the background. Like I want to have a, a content studio basically. So we're looking for the retail space, but it's crazy how like you worked in that reverse, that right, reverse right. Area, right. And I would, and then we're trying to find more online space, but, yeah. uh, and yeah, I mean, you know what, looking back full transparency, people have asked me, you know what, so they're like my biggest competitor here in, in the state um who had you know they they're on their third location damn and they they have a gym associated with it like a small like they buy out like anytime fitnesses right so and then they have like other nutrition coaching offices i you know full transparency is the overhead that i have just on that one building and like a full-time like you know operations manager and front desk girls and um i, I don't think i'd open a second one but i really uh I've enjoyed having the space to be able to monetize and turn one into like, you know, a content studio and a podcast studio. But um, yeah, man, it all just stemmed off of this connection based model that I knew worked is, you know, working with clients one on one. I think the accountability factor of them having to come in um, just seems to work. And I'm also seeing though now how to kind of reverse engineer that to make that same type of feeling work in an online space. Yeah. And I think, dude, you got it. You hit the nail on the head. It is connection. You know, we, I was talking about this at my recent mastermind. I talked to people about this all the time and you have it on lock. And that's probably the reason why you and I are good friends or we work together. If when you put yourself out there and, or if you have a physical location where people can come meet you. Um, and this is why I'm so transparent on my podcast on, on uh, Instagram. And I want to put everything out there is because when you are that way and you build that connection or just allow people to relate to you as a human being, your connection grows and the coaching process becomes so much more successful because that connection is there. Right. 100% dude. And you know what? I've always, uh, you know, for I've, I've actually learned a lot from you just being a client. It wasn't like an R and D experience when I hired you. I really just was sick of being 70 fucking percent week in and week out, man. I was like, I got to kick this up and I've been doing this a long time and a coach needs a coach. I needed a coach. But your, your model works because you're so transparent. You put out so many podcasts. You put out so much content. Like I hear your voice all the time, right? And so what's funny is when I realize, okay, so I have this brick and mortar space and I'm still going to have that be the foundation of what key nutrition is. This has got to expand more. So I need to do things. So I started a podcast. I'm starting to be more present on social media because I realize I have to be for the clients who are never actually going to get to come meet me in person. So anyways, I've learned a lot from you just from being a client. Dude, well, I love that. I appreciate it, man. And I'm glad. Um, I think that you're, you're, so we can, we can kind of use that as a segue because you're talking about being transparent on social media and your handle is the sober bodybuilder. And one thing I will say is Jason said, you need to find a new handle. I like your handle, man. The first thing I thought yeah. of was like, I don't think you need to change that. I think that's great. Um, now I know you're not quote unquote a bodybuilder, but I'll tell people right now, I see this guy's updates. He still looks like a fucking bodybuilder. So you're a bodybuilder. Um, but, and then, you know, I was laughing too, cause he said, uh, you need to train your legs more. And I was like, he's on that functional muscle too, man. <laughs> I know he's training his legs, but anyway, your, your, your tagline is, uh, the sober bodybuilder. So let's kind of dive into how that became a thing. Walk me back at track. Cause you're in the health space. Now you're in the nutrition space. Everything is super positive with you, but it wasn't always that way. Um, can you kind of start us out where before things shifted for the better, like where was, where were things at? Where, how did it all happen? Yeah, no, man, I appreciate it. I'm keeping my handle too. I know he said I needed to change it, but honestly, uh, you know, I'm still sober and I'm not, I might not be a competitive bodybuilder, but, uh, um, I told Jason I could be if I wanted to. So you watch out, uh, <laughs> No, man, I appreciate it. You know what? Like, honestly, I'm blessed. Key Nutrition, uh, we're, you want a trajectory to do, you know, seven figures this year. And, but it wasn't always like that for me. Like, that's for sure. Like, I never dreamed of having a business that could generate a million dollars in revenue. Um, 
I mean, it was definitely not like that. In fact, I, for a good portion of my life, kind of questioned whether I could really ever do anything with my life. So, I mean, taking it back all the way, I mean, how, how that name came about was, I mean, so in, in November, I celebrated six years of continuous sobriety, free from all mind-altering chemicals. Um, and, you know, that says far more about, about the God I believe in than just me because left to my own devices, I clearly couldn't do it on my own. I tried. Um, and, you know, it started young for me, man. I was, uh, you know, I, I, I heard your story long time ago, man, on Jason's podcast, maybe a year ago. I'm, when were you on that? It was a while ago. Yeah, just over a year ago. It was a while ago, man. So, because I think, because we talked about that in November in Arizona. I think it was a year from then because it was that the yeah. year before his mastermind that he had me on. And and I remember you talking about, I mean, you you got, you were, you know, running a gun in high school a little bit too. And I think you were selling weed, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, it started young for me and it started pretty innocent, but I was, um, you know, I was a chubby, overweight, super insecure kid that, that woke up with just paralyzing fear and anxiety every day, whether my life was good, bad, indifferent. Um, and I didn't know what that feeling was. I didn't know what that petrified, like just fear was. And so, you know, at an early age, I was kind of getting picked on and, you know, by my friends, but like, I was always definitely being made fun of. Like I was, I was in like the cool, I was not like shoved in lockers. Um, you know, or beat up, but I was definitely kind of verbally attacked, you know, like 12 year olds do basically daily. And I remember just feeling like shit about it. And I, um, you know, I, it was funny. I actually, I didn't share this on Jason's podcast, but I got, I was walking home from school one day and I was in sixth grade. And I remember these older kids came up to me because I had, uh, they thought I had stolen something from their, their little sister, which I hadn't, but they had on, uh, Dallas Cowboys starters jackets. And I remember I hated the Cowboys with a passion. They pushed me in the snow. It was not, they pushed me in the snow and kind of shoved it on my face. But I went home, like I literally just got beat to a bloody pulp. And I told my mom, I'm not going to school anymore. I'm not going to school. She shipped me out to California to live with my aunt. I said, I'm not doing it anymore. And I lived there for, the, for the, like six months doing homeschool. And when I came back, I'd gained even more weight because I just played Sega Genesis, World Series Baseball, and ate macaroni and cheese all day. And that's where my first addiction started was food. And I loved the comfort of food. It, I, I didn't realize it at the time. I was 12, 13. But um, I got back. Long story short, you know, I, I was introduced to alcohol for the first time. And I remember I drank just like, I mean, I think a lot of kids do that 13, 14 age. But I remember how gross it tasted. But the minute it hit my stomach and about 20 minutes later, I remember just thinking, oh like that fear, that anxiety, that like paralyzing feeling of being me was gone. And I loved it, man. And uh, so I kind of chased that off and on as a, you know, 14, 15 year old. But then I, uh, I got into health and fitness. Well, yeah, about that age, about ninth, 10th grade, I was sick of being made fun of. I remember I went with my mom to Barnes and Noble bookstore. She had to buy a book. I sat in the little section where the magazines and I pulled open the muscle and fitness and I remember I just started reading and I was just fascinated by it. I think it was ninth grade that it was the first time I'd ever felt passionate my whole entire life. I was like, Whoa, look at this. And then I'm right, you know, and I'm taking notes and I, um, I went back to that bookstore every day cause I didn't have money. I'd take my bike there after school and I just started picking up books and I would read for three hours in the encyclopedia bodybuilding. And I was fascinated, man. It was the first time I had felt that fire. I was, so I started to apply it. And I started to see change. And I was like, holy shit. Literally, I know, like taking like tuna fish and brown rice for four meals a day as like a sophomore in high school. Like, I, like that's what the magazines told me to do. So that's what I did. It's crazy. I, like, I remember tuna fish and uh, salsa and tuna fish and mustard. Like anything like that you could eat that was so low calorie, just protein, man. I, I didn't yeah. think. So you, you went from uh, kind of like one addiction to the next, it sounds like. And we're going to obviously kind of keep going in the story, but I'm curious because, you know, you mentioned me in, in my past getting into some shit. And, and I think part of that was because I was almost like searching for a sedation because I felt insecure about who I was, my body. I didn't have any plans for the future. I wasn't really good at sports. Like my friends made fun of me in the same way you did. I was never picked on brutally. And I was actually in, sounds weird to say the cool kids crowd, but I like hung right, out with right. the kids that were popular and I was popular. Mm -hmm. 
but I still got made fun of and, and I tried to hide all those insecurities with partying and, and drugs and things like that. And I, I won't, now that I have all these positive sedations in my life, like I don't even think about those things. I don't do any of those things. And I, I'm curious at what point, and this might've came later, did, first of all, did fitness kind of replace that sedation for you? And then obviously that kind of faded away because you got into more powerful sedations. And is that how you control it today? Like, I'm just curious about that whole relationship. If you are even yeah. thinking about that. You know what? That's interesting. So, you know, what happened, I started to see this success. I started to see some results. I started to, um, and you know, I started to get noticed. I started to get validation and I liked it and it was, but I had also, I was, I was really geeked out on this stuff. I mean, I, it was, I wish Google was around back then, but I'm, a, I'm too old, dude. It was just like AOL was the thing then with the CD and like and dial up and shit. <laughs> But I, um, I had done enough research to know that alcohol was really bad for your results. And like, I mean, I was in this like place where I think I, I, I made it up to myself that like, if I drank alcohol, I would lose like five pounds of muscle instantly. I was like, well, I can't drink ever again. I'll go catabolic. And so I, I quit drinking, but like the fitness kind of this whole thing took care of like, I was getting the validation. It, it like feeded that, it fed that, um, that insecurity for me. Like, and it was kind of this mask because I think as a 17 year old kid, you can't really grasp like, what's my why behind the why with this? Like, Oh, I just want to be healthy. It's like, no, I want to be jacked and I want to get attention yeah. period. The end. And so, but I still had this, like when all the dust would settle and I remember I still would wake up with just like, I just didn't like who I was like the fitness at the time was very much a mask. Now I was becoming passionate about it and I was taking the time to educate myself. And I realized like, that's what I'm going to do the rest of my life is, is I'm going to do fitness. Like I'm going to do this in some way, shape or form to make money. I love it. Um, but I was offered, um, some, some painkillers, which ironically we just talked about before we started recording with your surgery and that you said, I don't really like to take them because it's a rabbit hole that you don't know if ends, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I had no idea it was pure ignorance and I took them, um, you know, a buddy went to a party and he said, Hey, try some of these, you know, so you don't look like such a dipshit carrying around your muscle milk light while everyone else is drinking beer, you know? And, and dude, I took them and it wasn't even really a question. He said, Hey, these, these will fuck you up. Are my language. And he said, I said, okay, cool. So I took them and I remember I loved the feeling. I remember like it was yesterday and I remember, holy shit, like, I feel whole, like this is what I want to do the rest of my life. And so it's in a, in, in an interesting kind of way that the, the addiction to pills started then. And it, it, I, but I kept going with my fitness. It was like, I felt like I had the best of both worlds. Like nobody knew I was, I, I kept my like drug addiction really under wraps. Like, so I thought, um, I got into selling them and, but I was like on the low DL selling them. Like nobody really knew who they were coming from. And I remember, um, thinking, man, I'm, I'm really fit. I look great and I'm getting like fucked up every day. This is beautiful. Hey guys, I want to take a brief moment to remind you about the boom, boom elite, our membership site. This is literally the perfect place for you. The reason I know this is because you're listening to this podcast and anybody who listens to this podcast is a go-getter and an action taker. You are a person who is seeking information and education to better your body, better your performance, and finally transform your physique. I know this because people listening to this podcast really just seek results. And the one way to get better results is better training programs, but not only intelligently designed programs that actually build in progressions and avoid injuries along the way, but a place that's actually going to teach you how those programs are built. See, a lot of coaches and clients alike have insecurities about what they're putting on the piece of paper. Whether you're programming for yourself or you're programming for your clients, you probably have an insecurity or a lack of confidence in the programs you are creating. You probably question yourself. Are these programs actually going to work? Am I going to get injured along the way? When a plateau happens because it's bound to happen, what do I do? How do I adjust? How do I move through this plateau and finally start seeing results again? See, the Boom Boom Elite is not only a place to give you the programs that avoid these things and actually give you results, have built-in progressions, and make sure that you're not getting injured along the way, but it's a place that's going to educate you on how those things are actually built into the programs. So now, you have longevity in your results. You can actually adhere to them because you know what the hell is going on behind the scenes, and 
you can start creating your own programs that actually work and you have the confidence to know that they will work. So next time you put whatever you put on the piece of paper, you and your clients are confident and feel comfortable and actually believe in the system. Not to mention they're actually going to get results, which is the reason why we do this in the first place. So because you're listening to this podcast and because I know you're perfect for this, I wanted to take a second to just remind you about the membership site because this is the place that I spend every single day communicating with the environment, communicating with the community about training, about nutrition, about supplementation, about all the things that go into side of coaching. So if you want access to the Boom Boom Elite, click the link in the description below or go to boomboomperformance.com slash elite and sign up today. And without any further ado, let's get back onto this podcast. And at what point, so this, you're how old at this point when you started really getting into pills? Um, you know, I was a senior in high school, so. Okay. So you're a senior in high school and what was the point where you decided to, because I think you you mentioned something on his podcast about like going to Tijuana and stuff. And, and I want to shed light on that because I think when you're at that age, and I remember doing things too, I never went to Tijuana and, and sold drugs like that. But I remember just not really thinking about consequences and even times where I'd get in trouble or get in fights and you just literally don't process the consequences of things in your mind. You just kind of go with the flow and listen to influences in your life. And I think the reason this applies to people is because we have, I mean, with media and advertising, there's so many influences that are coming in and out of our face all day, every day that we subconsciously get influenced in so many different directions that it can be positive or negative. You were obviously getting influenced in a negative way. So explain the journey of when that actually started, what you were going through. Like, I want to actually know the details behind the whole process, dude. So people can really kind of get into your story and feel that emotion. The, the whole Tijuana thing? The whole thing. Because that part's crazy. You're 18 years old and you're driving. First of all, from Utah to Tijuana is pretty deep. You're driving there and you're stuffing, stuffing pills and stuff in your car, correct? That's how you were doing the selling? Yeah. I mean, honestly, man, you know, what was funny was I was just such a, you know, and a lot of, a lot of people are at that age. You know, when I meet 18-year-olds that have integrity and character and, like, don't listen to all the bullshit, like, I'm really impressed because it's just – and I, that was not my case. I don't think it's a lot of people. You're just so easily influenced. And, uh, you know, I, I was I was looking up to these older guys. I mean, I wanted to be like them so bad. And like little did I know they were, they were fucking losers. But like I thought they were so cool. Like they were jacked. They partied. They had all the hot girls, you know. And uh, they said, hey, kid. They would call me kid. They said, hey, kid, let's take your, uh, let's take your car down to Mexico. I got this farm, pharmacy down there. We can go down there and we can – stuff it all up and we put on your door panels and we bring it back. And I remember thinking initially like, no, that sounds like a horrible idea. But like the words just came out of my mouth. I was like, okay, cool. When do we go? And um, I was so easily influenced, man. I would do anything to be accepted and cool. And that's when my pill addiction got really bad. Cause what happened was is a funny thing is I never actually ran out of pills. So I continued to do them all through high school every day, but I had a plethora of them. I never ran out. I didn't even know what I was getting into. Like I didn't even know that I was addicted until the senior year, my senior year, we went down to Lake Havasu for a trip and, uh, you know, we got down there and I'm with all these older guys and we get down there and I realized I left my pills. And, and I mean, keep in mind, we've been running to Mexico and back, oh, I mean, eight or nine times and I was distributing all across. Like, I had no idea the amount of felonies I was committing on a daily basis. Just yeah. naivety. And I, um, you know, I got down there and I realized I didn't have them and I thought, shit. And I was like, well, that's going to suck. Oh, well. I said, well, maybe I'll just drink and just lose my 10 pounds of muscle, you know. And I... uh but what happened was the next morning I was viciously sick and I told these guys, hey, man, I think I got the flu. I'm sick. And they all kind of chuckled. I said, what? And they said, kid. They said, you're withdrawing. And they said, what's that? And they said, don't you know what you're into? I said, no. And they said, man, you're, you're six foot deep in shit right now. You are addicted. And they all laughed. And I thought, man, I, and they said, haven't you ever gone a day without? I said, I, I don't think I have for six months. So they explained this physical addiction that happens with the opiates and it blew my mind. And I remember the one guy said, Hey, I've got, uh, well, I've got something to make you feel better. 
I said, what's that? And he, he pulled out a syringe full of heroin. And I remember, man, Cody, that was the line I drew in the sand. I'd heard people talk about that. That is gross. I don't do that. That's for like junky bums downtown. I don't do that. So I said no. And about an hour later after more vomiting and, and the chills and the cold sweats, I don't wish withdrawing off opiates on my worst enemy. And, and like, honestly, today I don't have any worst enemies. So I am. Um, so, dude, I said, here, let me try it. So I tried it. So I intravenously shot heroin as a just about to graduate as a senior in high school. And the, the guy looked at me and he said, your life's never going to be the same, kid. And like, I didn't know the magnitude of that statement until a decade later when I finally got clean. It's crazy that like he can look at you and just say that too. Your life's never going to be the same, kid, and and not want to stop you at all. And and I mean, obviously, he's in the same place. But at this point, you're, and I almost it's it's funny because like because I care about you, I feel bad saying this, but you're literally at the lowest low at that point, right? That's where you're starting. Or you can tell me if I'm wrong if it gets lower. But at that point, you're pretty much doing probably the worst thing you could ever imagine yourself doing, and you probably don't realize how deep into shit you are. At that point, when that happens, does that further you into this addiction? Does that further you into the shit that you were getting into? Or does that was that the point where you were like, what the fuck's going on? And you made a, a flip. Oh, no, man. I mean, so like I said, that, that, that was the beginning of a demise that I didn't know existed for a guy like me. I mean, a guy like me, I come from an upper middle class family, great parents. It was the youngest of five kids, loving family, grew up with everything I could ask for. Like, I didn't think what was about to happen could happen to me. So for the next, to sum up, the, I mean, shortly after that, it got spiraled out of control. And, you know, I, um, I mean, seven or six rehabs later, 17 bookings into county jails. Um, and I didn't stay every time. Back then, they used to just book you on everything. And I always had these outstanding warrants because I had to start committing crimes to get it. The funniest part about the whole thing, it's not funny. The ironic part was for a good portion of those years, as I was shooting heroin, managing a gold's gym, I didn't, I, I still was built. Like, I still worked out. I still ate right. I found this like sick way to manage my heroin addiction. Like it was just something normal you did like morning, afternoon and night. Um, but just like anything, man, it's just like, it never works that way for too long. Like it, it, it worked longer looking back. I remember thinking like, how did I even manage that? But it got to a point where, you know, I started, I lost that job and, and then I would go to rehab and get clean and I would do this dance of, and I see so many of my clients making this dance where it's like, I would do, I would get some help. I'd go to rehab. I'd ask for help. I would take some direction. And for 30 or 60 days, I would, I would do well. And I would, I would start to get my life back and I would see results materializing and I would be clean. And then right about that 90 day mark, when my life started getting really good, I would start to rest on my laurels. And I'd start to take my will back a little and be like, well, I can go out with these friends. They don't do heroin. They just drink. And then next thing you know, I'm drinking a little. And I'm like, well, it's not heroin. And then I would drink a little more and then I'd black out. And I was like, well, that was normal. I probably shouldn't drink that much. And then next thing you know, I drank and I'm at a party where they have cocaine. And then I would do cocaine. And it back, always back to the same point. And then I would do the dance again where I would be in enough pain to get some willingness that I would try hard until shit started going really good. And I see it so often with my clients where they're in enough pain. They've hit that pain switch when they come in and man, they're willing, they do the deal. And then they start to like get some results and they relax a little and they said, ah, oh, well, yeah, I didn't really hit the gym this week. And, and it's just the same dance. And before they know it, they've fallen off. They're not contacting me. They put in their cancel notice Eight months later, they come back, they've gained all the weight back, they feel worse, their wife, you know, their marriages and shit, like, it's just the same dance. So today I'm grateful that I went through that because I can communicate with them that like, I get it. I get it from a standpoint of what it's like to be desperate, get some help, see some success, and then go, oh, I think I'm good, and then get back in that cycle. What was the point where the, the final... Uh, straw or like the point where you actually became sober for real and for the, the long haul? Because obviously you said you tried multiple times, you went through rehab multiple times. When did you actually fully rehabilitate and start becoming sober? And what was that like 
pivotal moment? Like what caused that switch? Yeah, man. So I, uh, I did a, uh, I talked about going to jail a lot and that's part of my story. And, and the last time I went to jail, I went to jail for a full year and I ended up doing eight months on good behavior. Um, and during that time I had, uh, I made this vow that like, this was going to be it for me, man. Like I was, I was, I was done. I kept telling myself that, but there was no action. Like I was sitting in there gambling with a bunch of like convicts talking about shit that like had no relevance for like a successful life, but telling myself like I'm done, but I was just sober. I wasn't actually changing who I was. And, um, Unfortunately, jail doesn't set you up the best to do that. They stick you in a, in a pod with a bunch of other convicts who talk about convict shit. And I, um, I got out on uh, January, the end of January of 2012, about January 27th. My, uh, my birthday is January 31st. And I remember my parents were so excited and I've shared this story before, but this is like when it, this was the moment it started to change for me was I remember I was dead set on staying sober, man. I was like, it's time to get back. I'm going to get back in the fitness industry. I'm going to get back working my ass off. Like I'm going to get back to my life. Like I deserve this. It was the first time I felt deserving that like I can do this. But again, I hadn't actually changed and man, I got out and like this paralyzing fear hit me again and this anxiety and I didn't have a solution. I hadn't. Act, I just sat and been dry for eight months. So I wasn't actually so. I wasn't actually like in recovery. Like I wasn't like changing. And uh, man, I got that itch. The itch came back so hard and called the dealer. And I remember calling him and I'm shaking and I'm thinking, please say he's changed his number. It's been a year. And he picked up. And I thought, shit. And he said, uh, you know, I asked him if he had any stuff. And he said, yeah, I'm downtown. And I hopped in my car and my heart's racing. And they talk about your gut being your second brain, man. It is. It hit me so hard in my gut. I mean, I, I felt like I was going to shit my pants. Like, that's the truth. I was like, don't do this, man. It was like that pit in your stomach. And I just went anyways. And I was crying on the way down there because it was the first time that I couldn't bullshit myself that somehow this time was going to be different. Like I knew that once I started, it was like off to the races till something stopped me. And I had proven that with countless attempts in the past. And I went anyways. And it was so strong, this pull to go the direction I knew wasn't right. But again, like you have to change who you are. And that's the same thing with the fitness journey. Like it doesn't matter what macros you can follow. If you're not changing who you are and your beliefs around food, you're fucked. And so I went. And I did it, and um, my parents were so excited for me to show up to my birthday sober. It was going to be the first one in years. And they had a party all arranged. Everyone showed up but me. Everyone went to the party but me. And I remember thinking, i got to make it there. But I was so loaded by that point, I couldn't go around my family. And I didn't show up. And um, that was the moment my parents cut me off, and they said, hey, like we're done. We love you but we can't, we can't be around this. Like we can't keep this, this tug of war going. And, um, man, from that point on until I got sober on November 20th of 2012, it was, it just was a series of getting worse and worse. Um, I ended up in places I never thought I would. I was, I was homeless for the whole year, but I tell you what, my entrepreneurship came out. Like I was resourceful. I never slept on the streets once. Uh, one time I slept in the bushes behind a hotel because I was convinced the feds were in my room. Turns out they were not. Um, but man, like I was, I was pretty crafty out there, dude. And I, and I, I like could always find a way to like get a hotel or stay somewhere. And um, honestly, what's crazy was that last year of running and gunning on the streets without a place to ever call home, but never having to sleep on the house, always being resourceful enough um, to get my drugs without... <laughs> having to actually like rob people it when I started this business I remembered that year and I remembered man if you can do that you can do this like I hustled and grinded out there every single day to try to make sure I schemed and scammed and whatever I had to do and um you know I, I learned a lot about <laughs> sadly like about just like I was determined to like make sure that I because at that point, I don't know if anybody's familiar with addiction. At that point, it's not even about getting high. It's about what we call staying, getting well. I just had to stay well, meaning if I didn't have the dope, I would be very sick. So 
that's what I chased, um, was just having enough to basically stay well so I wouldn't be sick. And uh, it got worse and worse. And I saw shit that I don't, I don't ever wish on anyone, man. And, and I ended up with people that I didn't, uh, didn't ever think I would be around. And, you know, I, I remember hearing a Macklemore song where he talked about like, you know, you think that'll never be me. Like, I'll never be that person. I'll never go down that road. And, you know, Sat- Macklemore's from Seattle, isn't he? Yeah, his his music was huge in my early sobriety, like resonated with me that, you know, this is a, this is a pretty prominent rapper who was talking about the struggle, like it happens to anyone. Addiction doesn't care if you're black, white, poor, rich, Asian, whatever. It doesn't care. It doesn't discriminate. And uh, it took my soul, man. And that was the only year that literally I gave up fitness completely. My diet consisted of a jumbo twist uh, donut from 7-Eleven and a Slurpee every day, like literally. Didn't lift weights, didn't even think about fitness, didn't talk about it. There was so much shame around that I'd gotten so far away from like my one passion in life that literally all I was was a junkie. And I had kind of succumbed to this fact that, man, maybe this is what I'm, this is what I am. Like I'm a junkie. And like, this is like, I'm just going to live out however many years a junkie can live out. And like, I'm going to go. And, uh, on November 20th, November 19th, I, uh, I left my grandfather's funeral and I was definitely the talk of the funeral. People were embarrassed. Uh, I mean, it was just, people were like, what is wrong with him? I was 30, 40 pounds underweight. You know, I, I was the only person not dressed up. I had a bandana on it. Just people would, it was just a sore sight that people knew like, wow, like he's probably next. And, um, you know, God, whatever God you believe in, I didn't even know what I believed in then. I just looked up and I just remember saying a weird prayer that went something like, just if something's out there, please help this stop. Like, I'm either going to die. There was something that happened. There was a shift inside of me that I could see like where this was going. And I finally had this moment of clarity, that one moment that, that that I love when I see my clients get that are desperate that moment of clarity where I realized like, holy shit, I have to do something different or I'm going to die and I don't want to die. And so, um, I got pulled over that night and I was driving, uh, you know, this kid's car turns out the car was stolen and that's only relevant that I went to jail over it and I didn't even steal the car, but it was such a blessing. The cop, um, cop when he was taking me to jail, I never forget. He said, he said, um, you seem pretty excited to go to jail, kid. And I said, yeah, man, I'm done. And he said, uh, yeah, you know how many times I've heard that from the back of a cop car? I told him, you know how many times I've said that from the back of a cop car? And he laughed. And, um, you know, dude, I was done. I was willing to do whatever it took to, to not live that life. And, and I had this paradigm shift, man. It's insane, dude. It's like, I'm, I, I'm literally like getting sucked into the story. Like I'm reading a book or something and it's just so powerful. And, as you're going through this, like a couple things um, come to mind. Uh, I mean, the first thing that came to mind, this is kind of a funny thing that popped in my head. It's like, you know, when you're watching, and this is probably something somewhat similar that might've been going through your head as you were going through this earlier on, when you're watching like a gangster movie, like Blow or American Gangster or any of those movies, you're kind of watching, you're like, man, this guy is so fucking cool. He's killing it. Life is good. And then at the end, it always ends up shitty. Always. And I, and I love gangster movies and I love, it sounds bad to say I love drug movies, but I really do like Johnny Depp killed that movie, like Scarface, all of them. They're great. I still love them today, dude. But you watch those and that's kind of what you think is you're like, man, like that dude's doing it right. And then at the end they always get fucked. And I can imagine you going through your head, like this is great until the point where you probably gave up fitness. I can see that that year was, was not that way. Um, what went through your head when, when you finally stopped, you were in probably in jail at this point when you decided you were really actually done this time, what was it that gave you belief that you could not only just stay sober, but you could build up a seven figure nutrition and fitness business someday, man. Like I know a lot of people just have, I mean, like I I was talking about my mastermind recently, like the biggest thing we like broke down for people was getting rid of their doubt and their fear and their insecurities and just lack of believing in themselves because they just did not think they were blank enough in some way, shape or form. Everybody just did not believe they were enough. And you were at the, the pivotal point in the negative way of why you shouldn't have anything, why you wouldn't be enough. And there, you had every reason to believe that. And I would have believed it if you told me that you couldn't be capable of this because of where you were at, but what made you believe that you were still going to do that shit? Or did you just not even care at that point? You're like, I just need something better. 
You know what? Looking back, I, I never thought I would be where I'm at today. And that's why I'm just like, I, I try to start each day with just immense gratitude, man. It's just like, I, you know, and, and if I stay in just this humble spot of just gratitude, like, wow, like my life is so amazing today. And, um, then I'm good and people hate, you know, I'm still very active in, in my recovery community here, which involves like AA meetings. I do a men's support group at my, in my office on Tuesday nights. And, um, you know, the new guys always hate when I say like, my life is so fucking good today. Um, because they're not in that spot. And I hated when I heard that. Cause I'm like, mine's not all I knew. All I knew is that I had that moment of clarity that gets hit, like where you get hit with the truth that it's like, I, I knew I actually just watched a documentary on Netflix called heal. And, uh, in there, they talked about the power of the mind and just how these people are kind of healing themselves from cancer just by simply believing that they can do it. And like this, this, uh, like erasing all the negativity about the word terminal and all these different things. And, for me, it was that I had this moment of clarity, this shift, and I ran with it, dude. I hadn't, I, the, the dialogue I'd been telling myself for that whole year was, this is what you are. You're a junkie. Just be the best junkie you can be. I didn't even know what that meant. I just knew, like, this is your life, man. Like, you got track marks up and down your arm. You don't have a place to stay. Like, come on, dude. You're unemployable. This is what you are. Be happy. Just go with this. But like, that was the lie I kept telling myself, but I would just keep doing that over and over each day. And that moment of clarity I had was so strong where, you know, and I believe it was divine where I finally, and, and I asked for help. And it was, it was literally sitting in a crackhead motel in downtown Salt Lake City on my knees. I looked up and I just said, dude, like if something's out there, please help me. Cause like, I, I don't want to die. And that was the first time I'd verbalized that like out loud. And so going back to our original, how we got into this interview was I asked for help and it was an unorthodox way, but I meant it. Like I meant it. I didn't even know what I was praying to. I just knew there was something out there greater than me. And like life can't just be this series of really shitty, unfortunate events. Like I had created this mess. It's up to me to get myself out of it. I'd blown off all my family support. How do I do it? And then I went to jail and I didn't do very long in jail. Um, because they dropped the charges because I didn't steal the car. That was my first break. I was like, whoa, they dropped the charges because the kid fessed up. Like I stole the car. He happened to be driving it. They released me. And I, I, had, I felt like I hadn't caught a break in a long time. And it was this mindset shift of like I was starting to, and I was the worst detox I've ever been through. Let me just tell you when you've been using day in and day out as much as I was for a year, man, I, I remember just, it was so awful for days on end. And I just laid there on the floor even because I, I couldn't, I couldn't sit still and I kept shaking. And I just remember thinking it's the last time I'll have to do this. It's the last time you'll have to do this. And, um, man, I ran with it. I got out and I did something different. That's the thing. It's like, I had the mindset shift, but I had maybe had that before. I just hadn't followed it up with action. So I got out and um, I immediately, instead of going left, went right, so to speak. Like instead of calling the dealer, I went to, an, uh, to a Cocaine Anonymous meeting. And um, some guy after the meeting said, hey, dude, do you need a ride home? And I said, uh, so I do, but I don't have anywhere to go. Everyone had cleared out but me. And I just stood there and I'm like, I don't know what my next move is, but I don't. And he said, okay, I'll let you stay with me, dude. I was like, what? And he goes, but if you steal something from me, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so he let me sleep there, dude, on this makeshift mattress on a floor in this small little house. And um, I just did something different to get a different result. Like I just had the gift of willingness and I, and I took action on that willingness. I love that, dude. I did something different to get a different result. Like so many people listening to this can apply that to so many different areas of their life. In every area of your life, if you want a different result, you need to do something different. Um, and I think like what I want people to recognize too is just like kind of transferring parallels, right? Like I know we're talking about heroin and cocaine and some serious drugs, but even for people just trying to lose fat, like I, th I really do believe it starts with believing in the change and then taking action on the change. Like even for me, when I finally decided to lose weight, like I looked at myself in the mirror for the first time and just actually looked at myself and just admitted to myself out loud. Like, I really don't like the way I look. And it, it was almost like 
freeing to just admit that like, dude, you're a fat piece of shit. Like you did this to yourself. You're partying too much. You have no direction. You don't have like a serious college degree, anything. What are you doing? But it was like acknowledging that to be like, oh shit. Okay. It's out there. I can change right. it now. Right. And then I just believe that. And it's funny too, because you told me previously, like, dude, we have so much in common. And I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Like I never thought about it, but like, we actually do have quite a bit of common from our like childhood and how we got into stuff. And so I remember looking in the mirror and having a flex magazine at my house and being like, I'm going to get on fucking a bodybuilding stage. Like I'm going to go that hard and go to that extreme. And everybody laughed, thought it was stupid, thought it was funny. And it was so parallel opposite. I've never even been to a gym before at this point, like literally never done anything. <laughs> But I was just like, why can't I do that? Like, there's no reason why I can't. If I just believe it and I just take my time, I'll get there. And I did get on a stage and I did compete in physique and do, do that whole thing. But it took me years. But the point is, is at that moment, I looked at myself. I was overweight, never been to the gym. And I just decided that I believed in my ability to do that. So even though it's not as extreme as the drug case, there's a lot of people that can relate to what you're saying, just like I can, because that's how I changed my life, dude. It's just like looking at myself and believing in myself, changing one habit at a time until I was bold enough to just keep taking action in that right direction and there's so many people listening that just need to do exactly what you did to shift your mindset to get out of like the complete hellhole you were in there's so many people that are in their own hellhole like i always talk about like we all have problems we're not alone one person's issue could be so much worse quote unquote than somebody else's but the point is is they still feel like shit they're still suffering and they're still in pain just like you are with your issue right so um, dude, there's so much gold that you're talking about with this whole situation. I just love that you had that mindset shift and you just, and you brought up believing and I'm going to watch that documentary cause I haven't seen that yet, but that's exactly what it's all about. 100% man. And it's the same thing with, with business too. It, it's just, I knew that like, despite me, like, am I unorganized? Jason said, you've probably done the most revenue for being the most unorganized motherfucker I've ever met in my whole entire life. <laughs> but then I realized then he's pretty unorganized too. But, um, you know, man, I, it's, I need, I knew I needed to ask for help. I knew I needed somebody. I, I got to a point where I felt like I was spinning my wheels and I was generating this revenue, but I was fucking miserable because I was literally just spinning my wheels at both ends, trying to keep the furnace going. I had this brick and mortar space and this overhead and a, a couple like these salaries and I have coaches that I have to show up for and all my clients. And I was starting to lose my lust for like my passion. And so I knew I needed, so I got to the same place, man. I got to a place of some pain I'm like, why am I not happy? I'm making more money than I could have ever thought yet. I'm not happy. And it, I needed to ask for help. I got willing. I asked for help. I took action. And that's, I mean, listen, we're in a beautiful business because coaching will never go out of business because it is just a necessity of life to have mentors, coaches um, along the way, man. And it's so many people don't want to ask for help and admit that their shit is broken. Like it was you know, what's crazy was you look back and you think, well, it was probably easy for you to admit your shit was broken when you were a homeless fucking heroin addict. But actually, like the lies I could keep telling myself were pretty powerful. Like it was only that quick moment of clarity after my grandfather's funeral of like, man, what am I doing? Like I didn't get those moments often because I was so far down the barrel, seeing a light didn't even seem possible. And so I think in everyday situations with our clients, like, that, that willingness to like admit your shit's broken, ask somebody for help who's done it before. So I asked a guy to sponsor me. It's called the sponsor in AA. It's a sober coach is what it is. I met with him weekly. We went over these things called the 12 steps, which is just designed to help you be a better fucking human being. And he gave me accountability. And we talked about like goals and we set forth goals and then we'd, we'd follow up on them each week. And I met with them weekly for like six months. And then I met with them like every couple weeks for another six months. And then I met with them like once a month for a year. So like two years it took me to learn how to live life sober. So when clients want to work with me for eight weeks, I'm like, what the fuck for? Like, it's going to take a long fucking time. It took me two years to finally learn how to not only live life sober without a drugs and alcohol, but enjoy it, have enough solutions in my life that this wasn't going to be a temptation for the rest of my life. And also how to, man, just how to feel good about who I was as a human, like how to feel like character and integrity. And it's the same thing with this. Like my, I tell my clients, that's what I've always loved about your message. This is a longevity play, man. This is a long game. And 
I'm not just trying to take your money. I'm trying to actually help you. And it's going to take me a long time, not only to figure out your body, but help you with your relationship with food, with your insecurities, because it's like Jason says, it's not about fixing diets, it's about fixing people. And so much of that stems from like, like that's this nutrition coaching isn't just about a set of macros. If it is, that would, we wouldn't need a job, right? I mean, we would be out of a job. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I couldn't agree more. And it, and it goes back to that human connection thing. And it's funny because, so me going through this knee surgery and injury, one of the things that like dawned on me, I was journaling that bummed me out. It's like, I basically paused like not business coaching and mentoring and stuff, but coaching for like nutrition and training. Cause we don't know what's going on. When can I move again? When can I do PT and stuff? And I was journaling and I was like, man, I fucking miss having a coach to direct me in which way to go. I know what the fuck I'm doing, but it's that piece of connection and accountability and just, just communicating with somebody to improve yourself. That is so important, man. And, and like you said it best, like why even commit to eight week? I mean, we don't do any eight week commitments at my company, but it's for that exact same reason. I'm sure you don't either. It's just, it just doesn't make sense. It takes so much longer. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in this just for like a quick, like six week shred down, I'll give you a fucking website you can go to and you can pay me pay far less because it's so much more than that, man. And it's so true. I am, I'm just, I'm sold on coaching, dude. I have a business coach. I have a nutrition coach, obviously. I have a, um, I still have a sponsor that I'm in contact with today. Our relationship looks different. Like it's more um, like, you know, like I'm, we're talking about life shit, not about like, how do I not use drugs? But, um, you know, it's, uh, dude, this last week I was sick in full transparency. Like Cody's my coach and I was like trying to still get all my food in, but then I was eating like pho noodle soup and like ramen bowls because I didn't feel good. And the whole time I'm like, fuck, I'm going to have to be accountable for this. And like, I wasn't horrible, but I wasn't like, I could have been more spot on just because I have a head cold and a sinus infection doesn't mean like I need to eat like just loads of extra fucking food or garbage. And it's the accountability factor. And you said it on, on our podcast and I use that constantly with my clients is accountability is a crutch that makes shit happen yeah and for me to get sober and change my life i had to have a lot of accountability so one of the questions i was about to ask you is what was the biggest because i want to kind of do a few more questions before we wrap up here like that might have been it but i was going to ask what was the biggest takeaway that you apply to your current clients from first from uh the having the sponsor having the coach and going through aa and all that that entire journey of just trying to get sober and having that relationship, what is the biggest thing you pulled away from that, um, that both like clients and coaches can kind of take away from listening to this? As far as my journey with that? Yeah. Specifically with AA and going through those programs and having a sponsor and stuff. You know, the funny part. Yeah. But you know what, in the 12 steps, if anybody's familiar with them, it talks about drinking or drugs in one of them. Step one, which is just admitting that like we have this like addiction. Other than that, the rest of the 11 are designed to get you a spiritual connection to whatever the fuck you want to believe in. Like whatever that is, the czar of the universe, the fucking mountains, God, Jesus Christ, I don't care. It doesn't care either. I thought it was going to teach me like these tools, like okay, this is how you like don't drink and, and use drugs, but it doesn't, after step one, it's all about how to become a better human being. When you think about nutrition coaching, like it's about applying the right macro. It definitely is an education portion as far as macros and workouts and recovery and cortisol, definitely a huge play. But if you want long-term success in this, it's about changing who the fuck you are and your fucking limiting beliefs and, and how you think, whether that's going forward into a coaching business or as a client trying to get results. It all, it all boils back down to changing. And the, the better I got as a human being, the better my thought processes got, the better my relationships got. And guess what? Like we went, we went out to dinner, everyone was drinking. They offered me a shot. I said, no, I didn't even care. I don't mind being around it because through this process in the last six and a half years, like I have freedom to be around it. And I probably wouldn't go around like a heroin party. I don't even know if those are a thing, but like, I, I just probably wouldn't go around there, but I can be around drinking. I've been, I've, you know, I've been around weed in my life, uh, like in the last six and a half years. And it doesn't tempt me. People must, people say to me all the time, it must be a daily battle every day. And I said, fuck no, if it was, I wouldn't do it. It's not. I've changed who I am as a person. And there's a few simple little tasks I have to do every day to keep it. And that's, I, I do a morning routine and that's not, I thought that was just like, this is how you get sober. 
I'm pounded in on a morning routine on people because it's, I turned out like it's how you be a successful human being and like achieve your goals. I, I, I pounded in on a morning routine. I still do that today. You know, I, I try to be of service to other people. I reach my hand out to the new guy in AA when he needs me. I sponsor a couple guys. It's, it's very minimal task. And like at the end of the night, like I thank God and I say, I say the term God very, very loosely because I don't even know what I believe in. And that's the most freeing thing for me. I don't know. I just know there's something way greater out there than me. Like divine connections, like meeting you. Like there's just all these things that don't happen by accident in life. And oftentimes we're so fucking closed off that we don't even see it. Like the universe is trying to give you shit to like help you succeed. But we're so caught up in fear that we can't be in gratitude. So the biggest thing I got was fear and gratitude cannot coexist. So when I'm in fear, I'm not grateful. I'm when I'm grateful though, I'm never in fear. Like I just stay grateful for what I have. And that's the antidote, man. Gratitude. It's the fucking antidote to, to, to cure your nutrition problems. It's actually being grateful and starting to fucking shift on that mindset. So that was dude, a really long that. answer. Sorry. Dude, that was great. No, that was super powerful. Have you, quick question first. Have you ever read The Big Leap? No. Dude, you would resonate with that book really well. Like you need to check that out because it's really powerful. And it talks about self-sabotage and how we can recognize those patterns in our life and how we can shift before they actually happen so you can begin to change these habits. But super powerful. And you've touched on a few like big key lessons that are inside that book. And, and you've obviously used those lessons in your life. But I couldn't agree more Big on the gratitude, about the morning routine, about everything you're saying, to be honest with you, is so fucking on point, dude. So the last question would be, what did you learn or what can people apply um, as far as like a lesson they can apply from, from just like this entire process, dude, I know we just talked about specifically getting sober and AA and stuff like that, but like, what can, like, is the one thing you would want people to leave this podcast with? If you had to tell them like just one powerful line lesson, whatever it may be that through your whole process, through the struggles, through the trials and tribulations, like what should they leave and, and just remember? Man, that's uh that's a good question. I, first off, there, there is hope. And, you know, your situation, I, I was terminally unique, man. I thought like maybe like I was just a little bit different or my situation was different. Like you wouldn't understand. And nobody's situation is unique. Like whatever goal you're after, whether it's to become a super successful nutrition coach in this industry or be very successful with your nutrition goals, like your limiting beliefs are the only shit holding you back. There, There's hope for all of us. They told me in a rehab, they said, look around, there was 25 of us. And they said, so statistics say that in five years, two of you will stay sober. Out of the other ones, half of you um, will be using still, and then half of you will die. And I remember thinking at the time, that's daunting. And I didn't think I could do it, man. I believed the bullshit statistic they were telling me. And when I got sober this time, I was like, fuck it, put me back in that room. I'll be one of the fucking 23. I'll be, I'll be that one. And it was just a mindset shift. Your, the limiting beliefs you tell yourself in the stories is the only thing holding you back. If a hopeless junkie like me can build a business where I get to help so many people and make impact every day, and I go to work and I fucking love it. I love creating impact. I love the people I have. Like the life I've created, I'm married. We bought a house. I've got two beautiful dogs. Like this wasn't supposed to happen for a guy like me. But I decided to quit listening to the bullshit stories I told myself. And all I did is I acted my way into right thinking. So many people think they think their way into right acting. No, you have to act. I had to do the action. And also a big lie I was told myself that willingness had to precede action. I had to be willing to take the action. I just simply took the fucking action. I wasn't even sure I was willing. I just wasn't willing to go back to the life I lived. And enough action got me more willing where the action became just part of my everyday life. I love that, dude. I always talk about like take action first. And I think that's something I have been blessed with is that I take action and don't think. I think about it later yes. and, it, and it does help a lot. And it's funny because every time you say something like this, man, I want to just end the podcast because you just leave on such a high note, but I always have to say <laughs> something afterwards. I'm like, God, we got to drop the mic after this shit. He's on fire. Dude, I love it so much, man. We got to end it, but this has been fucking great, dude. Um, can you tell everybody where they can find you? I want them to be able to follow you because you have so much impact and you're creating such good content and you're just such a 
inspirational person for people to follow to just eliminate the bullshit that's in their head so they can keep, keep pushing forward. I can't agree with everything you're saying enough, man. Um, where can they follow you on Instagram, your website, all that stuff. Um, you have a podcast. So just kind of give us everything um, that you want to shout out. Love it, man. Thank you, dude. Um, so our company is keynutrition.com and you can find us on Instagram at, at keynutritionutah. Um, Utah is spelled out. And my personal tagline is the underscore sober underscore bodybuilder on Instagram. Um, definitely on the business page, lots of content with different macro-friendly recipes and different little fun tips and stuff like that. My personal page is a lot more about um, personal development and uh, you know learning how to build a business and all these different things that I'm doing currently. And then um, our podcast is the Key Nutrition Podcast, and we're on Apple and um, you know iTunes and Google Play and YouTube and Spotify. And so um, definitely check us out, man. I love it, dude. Thank you so much, man. I'm going to put all that information in the podcast. And dude, thank you. I can't, I can't say it enough, man. This was an awesome podcast. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and just being super vulnerable and transparent because I know that takes balls in and of itself to be able to do. So I appreciate you for that. Dude, thanks for giving me a, a chance and a platform to be able to speak that because I know this is an epidemic going on out there. And this is so much more than just about nutrition, but like, because there is hope like you if you're out there and you know anybody like there is hope let me tell you that like but something you've got to do something different so